0: Well, good morning Mountain View. So great to see you here today. Uh, if you haven't met me, my name is Brian Eldridge and I'm the associate pastor here. And just excited to see what the Lord's going to do in the future. One of the things that we're really working hard on right now is community groups. And I want to talk just a second before I get into my message about community groups. Why do I need a community group? You know what? God has created us to be in community with one another. He's created us to Uh, be in fellowship and connection with other people. We can't live our lives isolated from the world, isolated from one another. And we think, you know, hey, we have uh, Facebook and social media, Twitter, and all this stuff. It connects us together, right, as as people. Actually, it ends up dividing people a little bit too, but it brings us together so we can communicate in all these different ways, and it's great. We don't have to sit face to face with people anymore, and yet If you look at statistics, if you look at things that are going on in our communities, what's happening is people are getting far and far more isolated from one another because of these social media platforms. They're not bringing necessarily people together as much as they're isolating people. And people are more lonely now than they've ever been. And that's just a fact. And so why is that? Why is anxiety and depression and all these things a huge issue in our society today? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with just the fact that we need connection with other people. And we need, as believers especially, to come together and to pray together. And, you know, I love Sunday morning. It's a great time, isn't it? That we can come together and worship God as a group. And, you know, but a lot of things that happen on Sunday morning uh, are, are wonderful, but it doesn't necessarily meet everything we need as believers. Because I don't necessarily have deep, deep conversations with people. I don't, I, I get, once in a while I get to pray with somebody. But there are a lot of people that come on Sunday and walk out the door and we have no idea what's going on in their lives. And they could be struggling and they don't share those things with everyone. They need a place where they can connect. You need a place where you can connect, no matter who you are. And so what we do, community groups, and what those are is a group of about 10 to 12, 14, maybe the most people that gather together on a regular basis, and we pray with one another. We look at God's Word, and we learn from that. We discuss things that are going on in the world. We discuss the scriptures, and then we have food, hopefully, and we enjoy our fellowship and company together, and get to know each other. And these groups are not designed for you to come and share your deepest, darkest secrets. Okay, no one looks forward to that, right? Can't wait for community group tonight. I'm just going to spill my guts to everybody, right? No one does that, but yet there are times where we come together and we can share a little bit of our story and connect a little bit deeper. And eventually, maybe there's someone in that group we would say, "Hey, you know, what, Joe, I really connect with you. Let's go out to coffee or Susie, you know, let's let's get together and outside of community group because there's some stuff I really need you to pray with me about." That I can't share with our group. And then eventually that gets deeper and deeper, and it's pretty powerful what what God can do. And so, starting at the end of September, we're gonna begin community groups. Now, we're gonna I'm shooting for 15 groups, guys. 15 groups is what I'm shooting for. I'll have everything out next Sunday at our picnic. We're gonna have the catalogs, you can start to look at all the different groups. We're gonna have stuff online, we're gonna have an app that you can sign up with as well. We're going to give you lots of information, lots of choices you can choose. We want you to be involved in groups because, not because we think, oh great, we have so many people in groups, that's awesome, we're doing a good job, but because we feel like it's important that for discipleship and growth and to help us as a, as a church to, to be better at those things. And so uh, this, is, this is why we do it. And I just encourage you to jump in and be involved. Man, it's going to be great. My wife and I, are, we're going to lead a group. Um, I know John's going to be leading a group. We have a lot of great leaders not just pastors, but a lot of great leaders in this place they are going to be leading groups. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. You're going to hear testimonies, I believe, over the next few months of how God is doing great things. So, uh, last week of September, sign up, start next week, and we'll be telling you how that's going to work. All right, well, hey, how many are glad that football's back? Anybody? Come on. We got a few people. I know, I know the Beavers and Ducks lost. I get it, okay? It happens. You can't win every game. But here's the deal, man. I love football. And Sunday afternoons, generally for our family, we go home and we watch football. Even my wife, she's into it, sometimes more than I am. I'm sleeping on the couch and she's watching the game. It's the Seahawks. I'm not a big Seahawks fan usually, but I'm a 49er fan, John. And that's, that's uh, I know, I'm sorry. So, anyway, we'll, we'll just move on here. Let's talk about the Ducks and Beavers. <laughs> I want to talk about football a little bit. But first of all, I want to give this football away. This is a brand new football a friend of mine gave me. And he said, hey, I want you to give this football away. And so uh, if you're 18 or younger, stand up. All right? Any football fans? 18 and under? Stand up. OK? Football fans? This is a, brand, this is a nice football, right? It's a nice football. It's junior size. OK, so... First one, raise your hand and tell me. you got to raise your hand. It's the first one I see, okay? It may not be exactly right, but we're going to try our best, okay? First one, I s- I raise, raise your hand and tell me who won the Super Bowl last year. Go. Super Bowl. Yeah. Patriots right here. There you go, man. Heads up. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa. Good duck there. Yeah, that was awesome. That's a baseball mom right there. She knows when to get out of the way. All right. So I want to talk about living below your potential, and this is something that we're talking about for the next few weeks, uh, and this series is all about how we don't reach our potential in Christ because things draw us away, and, uh, and so I want to talk about somebody who is a football player that I actually sort of respected in college, and then I saw some changes in their, in their life, and it was pretty sad to see what happened. Anybody heard of Johnny Manziel before? Anybody heard of that guy? We know Johnny Manziel. They used to call him Johnny Football. That's where he got the name in Texas a and He was an amazing quarterback. A freshman quarterback, and uh, he he showed up on the scene, and man, he was electric. He could make plays outside the pocket, improvise. He would make throws. I mean, he beat Alabama in Alabama for Texas A&M. That's huge, right? To beat Alabama in their house. He was he was the first freshman to ever win the Heisman Trophy, and uh, he he was he was amazing. He was selected in the first round of the NFL draft, but but people kind of saw some things in his life. They were concerned about him because he was sort of a party animal, right? He was into partying and hanging out, and, and uh, he was doing some things that maybe weren't great, but they still selected him in the first round, and, and he continued to party. In fact, when he got money, he partied even harder because he had money. He, he was in Vegas the night before a football game when he was going to play. This is the kind of stuff he was doing, right? Two years in the NFL, now he's released. He's playing somewhere else, and he, no one talks about him anymore. But this was a guy that everybody thought, man, this guy, he's going to be incredible. Look at this. Look at the stuff that he can do on the field. And I think, man, what a potential star that Johnny Manziel could have been in the NFL. But yet what happened? He lived way below his potential, didn't he? He didn't reach the potential. Why? Because he got choked out by all kinds of things in the world that were keeping him from becoming who he could have really been. And that's really what this series is about. It's about trying to get out of underneath the things that are dragging us down and living below our potential and start to live up to the potential that we have in Christ. And so, we're going to talk about things that affect our Christian witness to the world that's lost. We're going to talk about mismanaging our life and our investments and our priorities, missing golden opportunities. And we're going to talk about settling for less than God's best because we don't want to do those things. We want to live up to our potential. And today, I want to talk about accepting the unacceptable. Accepting the unacceptable. Here's our key verse for this entire series. And by the way, um, my PowerPoint didn't work today. I'm sorry. Uh, but you know what? We did have a day where we didn't have PowerPoint, right? You remember those days? We just gathered together. You know, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, they didn't have PowerPoints. So I'm not those guys, not even close, but you'll just have to bear with me, okay? So 2 Corinthians 6.3, it says, We try to live in such a way that no one will ever be offended or kept back from finding the Lord by the way that we act. So that no one can find fault with us and blame it on the Lord. So, 2 Corinthians 6, 3, that's our key verse. And we're going to focus on these things the next four weeks because we all want to represent Christ. well. I don't know anybody that is a Christian that says, Well, I, I just want to be a bad witness for Jesus. I just want to blow it. I don't want to turn people away from God. No one, no one says that, right? We all want to be a better witness. Not that anybody's going to be perfect. Okay? We don't expect that. Not that. Christianity is a race to see who can be the most moral person. That's not what Christianity is about. But we don't want to live in such a way that turns people off to the good news of Jesus. So I want to give you three ways I think we need to raise the level of our lives in such a way that we cannot accept the unacceptable. I want to talk about how we tend to accept the unacceptable and it's just not good. So how do we do that? How do we raise the level of our lives so we're not accepting the unacceptable and being a bad witness for Christ. Well, the first thing we need to do is we need to wake up. And I think there's an outline, actually. You can follow that on the back of your, your bulletin this morning. If you don't, you don't have the PowerPoint, but you at least have the scriptures and the outline. We need to wake up. Matthew chapter 13, verse 24 and 25 says, here's another story Jesus told. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, his enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. And when the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. Now, I'm not a gardener at all, okay? I, I can't tell the difference between a weed and a flower sometimes. And so we'd have these work days, sometimes at the church, uh, and I was working at another church, and so I'd be pulling stuff away, and some lady would come over and say, Brian, you can't pull those out. Those are flowers. I'm like, what? Oh, man. I'm like, what about those over there? I left those. She's like, no, those are weeds. Get rid of those. I'm like, oh my goodness. I'm so bad at this. How many of you are with me? You're like, you can't tell sometimes between a weed or a flower. There's a lot of people in our world that can't tell between a weed or a flower. It's not always easy. And the weeds here that Jesus is talking about represent the work of the enemy. And the flowers or the crop or the good seed that produces, what produces from the good seed represent the people who belong to God. And so you have the farmer who's God who comes and plants this seed and, and it sprouts and it grows, and people receive receive the goodness of God, and, and they're doing good things, and yet the enemy he loves to come along and kind of deceitfully sow seed amongst the crops. That's good. And the 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 weeds grow up from there, and that's what represents the work of the enemy. And so when the enemy does this, it's usually when we're sleeping, we're not paying attention. Now you think, why didn't just the, uh, you know, enemy come and just burn the field down? That would have been a lot quicker, right? Well, sometimes he does do that, but in this passage particularly, he comes when they're sleeping, right? Because he doesn't just overtly do it, it's covert. That's a lot of times the way the enemy works amongst believers. He can't be do something overt like, hey, you know, I'm going to tempt you to go rob this bank. Well, I'm, I'm not tempted to rob any banks. Well, maybe once in a while, but no, I'm just kidding. No, no, I'm not tempted to rob any banks. But, but I might be tempted to, you know, do something smaller, a little more covert. And that's what the enemy does it's, it's under the cover of darkness, it's under the radar. He comes and he begins to sow seed. That's how he gets his job done sometimes. I think we see this all the time through media, whether it's, um, you know, TV, movies, magazines, whatever, how the enemy just brings these subtle messages that uh, are kind of undercutting what God has for us, God's best for us. And sometimes we begin to accept those things that are unacceptable. And that keeps us from living out our potential. My, my son came to me when he was nine years old and he says, Dad, everybody's watching this cool new TV show. I'm like, oh yeah, what is it called? He's like, The Walking Dead. I'm like, okay. Sounds a little you know, morbid, but okay, what's it about? It's about zombies and stuff. And I'm like, well, do you want to watch? He's like, I don't know if I do. Sounds kind of scary. He was nine, right? I said, well, I don't think parents are letting their kids at nine years old watch The Walking Dead. I mean, that just can't be can't be real. He's like, no, no, they really are. They really are. I didn't believe him like for a whole year. And then I got on a bus full of junior high boy, or oh, elementary age boys, and they're all talking about The Walking Dead. I'm thinking, what? You guys watch that show? Oh yeah, it's so great. The other day, he was telling me all these things about what these zombies are doing. I'm thinking, I gotta watch the show. I gotta see what this is about because I mean, these nine, ten-year-old kids are talking about it. So I turned on episode one of The Walking Dead. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a sissy. I can see violence. That's not a big, you know, that doesn't bother me that much. So I turned on. I'm like, I'm instead of watching it through my adult eyes, I'm watching it through a nine-year-old's eyes. I'm thinking, holy cow, are you kidding me? Like nine-year-old boys are watching this stuff. I mean, this is absolutely crazy. I couldn't believe it. And I went to my son. I said, well, son, I guess you're right. They are watching it. You think that's a good idea they're watching? He's like, no, Dad. It's probably not a good idea. So yeah, I don't think we should be watching it either, <laughs> especially not you, son. You're too young to be able to process this stuff. And I just, I'm shocked and amazed sometimes at what parents allow their kids to be exposed to. I remember when Grand Theft Auto came out in I was a youth pastor, so I was like up on all the stuff. I was reading about everything. I knew all the stuff. I knew that Grand Theft Auto had these special cheap codes that you could get where you could get into this stuff that really wasn't a part of the main game, but you could dive into this deeper stuff. It was really, really bad stuff, stuff I really can't share with all the children here in the, in the room today. And I'm thinking, you know, parents are buying this stuff and putting it on the Christmas tree for their kids. They have no idea what they're involved in. They have no idea what they're doing. And I just wonder, you know, as a parent, it's so difficult today to navigate all this stuff, and I I don't do it perfectly either, but what are we allowing our kids to see and experience at young ages? Do we even know the messages that they're getting? Do we even know what they're processing on their smartphones or iPads or video games, or are we oblivious to everything that that they're doing? We got to wake up sometimes and see where there are weeds that we need to weed out. We need to wake up and see that that we can spot these things and be able to to say, no, this is not good, but this is good, and and help them discover the good things that God has for them and call out the weeds. Because we don't want those weeds to swallow up the good things that God is doing in their lives. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Stay alert, watch out, for your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. The New King James Version says, be sober and be vigilant. I like that word. Be vigilant. Parents, you know, and everybody really, but parents, I'm talking to you for a moment, we need to be vigilant, don't we? We need to be vigilant about what our, our students are involved with. And we've got to wake up to the enemy's schemes because, guys, he wants to destroy us. He wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy our kids. He wants to destroy everyone in this room who calls himself a Christian. And I refuse to stand pat and watch my house crumble or watch weeds grow up and not wake up to what God wants me to do in my life, and my family's life. And so I challenge us today to wake up, wake up to what's going on in our world. Be aware, and there are things that we can do to do that. Now, number two is we need to speak up, okay? We need to speak up. If there's one thing we do really well in America as we prepare people for physical danger, right? So, mad cow disease, Ebola. Anybody else name any other things that have come up in the last few years? West Nile virus. West Nile virus. Yeah. How many times do we hear about that on the news? It's like, oh, again, here we go. Yes, it's, it's, it's here. You know, let be careful. Do this, do that. If there's a criminal that escapes from prison, what happens? We see their face on the news. Stay away from this person. They're dangerous. Don't, here he is. Here she is, or whatever. If there's a hurricane that's coming, like Hurricane Dorian that's hitting the coast of Florida, all the news stations show us, even on the West Coast, we have friends in the East Coast, right? So we want to make sure that we're aware that this is coming, and it could hurt us, it could do damage to us, to our houses. Romaine lettuce <laughs> could kill us, right? We don't want, we want to stay away from romaine lettuce. Now it's good now, right? But there was a time, that was a tough time for some of us vegetarians, not me, but some of you, maybe, struggle with that. I had no problem swearing off romaine lettuce for a few weeks. But we get lots of warnings about physical danger, but no one's warning us about spiritual danger. No one's warning us. Whose job is it to warn us about spiritual danger? Well, certainly not the media's job. They're not going to do that. It's our job. It's our job as believers to warn one another. It's our job as leaders and pastors to warn, as shepherds. Ezekiel 3, 17 through 19. I'm going to read three scriptures back to back to back here. Okay, so hang on. I know I wish if we had the same versions, I'd give you Bibles, but it's just the PowerPoint. Okay, well, here we go. Ezekiel 3, 17. I have appointed you as watchmen... For Israel, whenever you receive a message from me, warn people immediately. If I warn the wicked, saying you are under the penalty of death, but you fail to deliver the warning, they will die in their sins, and I will hold you responsible for their deaths. If you warn them and they refuse to repent and keep on sinning, they will die in their sins, but you will have saved yourself because you obeyed me. In other words, we're partially responsible for calling out things. And if we don't do it, we allow people to just continue to, to sin and blow it and just make mistake after mistake and go down that path and we don't say anything about it, then we're partially responsible for that. Did We not say what we're supposed to say. Hebrews 3.13, You must warn each other every day while it is still today, so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. So we've got to speak up. We've got to warn one another if there are things that could deceive us. There's sin that's coming. Isaiah 56.10, for the leaders, let's talk about the leaders today. For the leaders of my people, the Lord's watchmen, his shepherds, are blind and ignorant. They are like silent watchdogs that give no warning when danger comes. They love to lie around sleeping and dreaming. Ouch. Okay, let me give you an example of an area that I failed. About... 12 years ago or so, I was a youth pastor at a church, and uh, there was a divorced man in our congregation who started to kind of hang out and sort of flirt with these married men in our congregation, and I, I saw it on two different occasions, and one time, it was pretty overt, and, and I felt like saying something like, you know, I'm just a youth pastor, uh, and I just kind of wiped it away. I didn't say anything, and I remember going to talk to my pastor, and, and my pastor said, hey, you know, there's this guy, he kind of, he got, he snuggled up to this, you know, married woman and said, this is, something's going on with this guy. We got to, we got to warn people about this. We got to call it out because it's not good. And, and I was like quiet, like, oh no, I didn't say anything about this. And so I said, yeah, I kind of saw it on two occasions. He's like, what? He says, what? You, you saw that happening? You saw some inappropriate things? I'm like, yeah, but I, feel like, I didn't feel like it was my place. You know, I'm just the youth pastor. I'm just working with the youth and you know, and it wasn't really that terrible, but he's like, but you witnessed it, right? It was inappropriate, right? Yeah, but he's like, why didn't you say anything? You got to speak up. If something like that happens in our church, we're pastors, we're shepherds. We're supposed to watch over people. What are you thinking? I mean, he, like, he got on me, man. He was like, I felt like, oh, I felt like a total failure. That I didn't speak up. And I think sometimes we just don't want to speak up when we see things that are not right because we're, we want people to like us. We want to be, you know, we don't want to rock the boat. We don't pe- people to think that we're just sort of too conservative or prudish or whatever. And so we stay silent about weeds that are cropping up, and they end up choking the spiritual life out of people that we love. James 4.7 says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. That word resist is not just like a turtle going into its shell, like, okay, I'm resisting. No, That word resist is actually a military term. It's not defensive posture. It actually means to fight back. And we fight not with our fists, right? We fight on our knees. We fight by speaking the truth in love, which we're going to talk about in just a second, by using our voice to call out the weeds among us because the enemy is planting them all over the place. Ephesians 4.15, how do we speak up? This is how we do it. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. I should have said something to that man in love. Right? Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Well, Brian, I don't like to say anything. I don't want to rock the boat. You know, it's not my place. I hear people say It's not my place. Well, you know what? There's a difference between barking dogs and biting dogs. We have a a dog that barks in our neighborhood, and you know how many you just just deal with barking dogs, right? It's just it's just the nature of the beast, right? You hear a dog, it's barking, it's eventually going to stop barking. It doesn't bother you. Is anybody running and hiding when they hear a dog barking? Probably not, unless you've been bit by a dog, then maybe you're running and hiding. But generally, you hear a barking dog, yeah, okay, it's just barking. That's what dogs do, and you go on with your day, right? And so one day. There was this dog, that was barking up, uh, it was kind of around the corner from our house, but we heard it barking, 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 like, and we're out in our backyard trying to enjoy the day, I'm like, okay, I'm done, this thing's been barking for two hours, obviously they're not home, something's going on, so I go over to this house, I ride my bike over there, and I go to the front door, my wife's with me, and there's already a note on the door from another neighbor that says, your dog's barking, right, <laughs> stop the dog from barking all day long, okay? It's so like, okay, this has already been handled. I don't need to say anything. Someone's already spoken up. There it is. Okay, But again, barking dogs can be annoying, but it's not like I'm running and hiding from this. Now, if there's a dog that's coming at me and my family, and this has actually happened to me in our neighborhood, we have these dogs, these like ferocious dogs that were chasing us like when we were walking or, or riding our bikes or whatever. And so I, I kind of got fired up. I'm like, man, if that dog comes at me or my family, it's going to pay a price because that dog's life is not worth as much as my kids' lives, Right? I'm gonna fight. This dog is not gonna not gonna get me. And so there was a couple times where I was ready to like I had my foot ready. I was about ready to kick the thing because it was like growling at me, like ah. And one day it came into our neighborhood, and my kids were out playing, and there was people at our house. I'm like, I started yelling. I said, "Get inside! Get inside!" And the thing's running around. It's scared, obviously. But I'm thinking, if this thing thinks we're a threat, it's gonna bite us. And I'm not gonna run. Right? I'm gonna hold the ground between my family and this dog so this dog doesn't come after one of my kids. So here I am and this thing's like growling. It's like I'm like, come on, calm down, buddy, calm down, calm down, I'm trying to talk the dog down. Eventually it 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 went away. And I was like, thank you Lord. I did not want to hurt that dog, or I you know, I was I was feeling bad about that. But at the same time I was thinking, you know, what if I just kind of casually walked inside the house and didn't say anything while my kids were out there playing? Just didn't say anything, but I went inside the house. I was being a good example. Look at me, kids. I'm going inside the house, away from the dog. But I didn't say anything. No, I would never do that, right? Of course I'm going to speak up. There's a rabid dog in the neighborhood. Get inside the house. In the same way, if we don't speak up, people will not know of the danger that's around them. We can't just say, well, I'm being a good example with my life. It's more than that. Jesus spoke out about sin, yet he was known as a friend of sinners. He still got invited to parties. He was at Matthew's party. He was a tax collector, a cheat, basically, in that day. And Jesus's whole purpose, which is our purpose, is Luke 19.10. He came to seek and save that which was lost. That's our mission. But how can they be lost? I can, how can the lost be found if they don't know the way? We've got to show them, and we've got to tell them. All right, kids, time to wake up for a second, all right? And uh, I want you to, to help me out here this morning, okay? So how many of you kids have done show and tell at school? Anybody? I'm talking like elementary age kids, right? Show and tell. Anybody done show and tell? Okay, what kind of things do you bring to show and tell? Come on, tell me what you bring. What do you bring? Shout it out. Go ahead. You don't have to raise your hand. Just say it out loud. What would you bring to show and tell? Anybody? A pretty rock. (laughs) Okay. What else? Anything cooler than that? (laughs) Come on. What would you bring to show and tell? Grayson, what would Laura help him out? Be his voice. A A stuffed animal. Yeah, that's probably what you'd bring, right? Those are cool. Like, look at my stuffed lion. Isn't he cool? And so what do you do? What do you do for show and tell, kids? You get up in front of the class, and you hold your stuffed animal or your whatever, your pet rock, and you talk about it. Like, this is so cool because, you know, I, I love it, and I hug it, and it's soft or whatever. Not the rock, but the lion. <laughs> and uh, its name is Johnny or whatever. I don't know. I mean, you, you have a name for it. You talk about it. Now, what if, kids, what if you just got up there for show and tell, and you just held that stuffed animal up, and you didn't say anything. You just looked at the class, and they're all looking at you like you're looking at me right now. Like, Are you going to say something? That wouldn't be very cool, would it? Would that be cool? No, that would be really lame, right? Of course you're going to talk about it. Of course it's show and tell. And we can't, guys. We can't just show the way. We've got to tell the way. Wake up, speak up. Number three, this is the last point, okay? We need to shape up, shape up. We've got to walk the talk. I'm not a big fan of potlucks, okay? It's hard because you're a pastor, you, you, have to, you have to do potlucks. It's sort of a thing for churches, but it's not my favorite thing. Now, if I know you make something good, I'll go find it, right? Because I know I can, I can get something good. But potlucks are not my favorite thing. And, and there was this one potluck I remember where I, don't, I guess they didn't have enough utensils, I don't want to scare anybody away for next week, okay? We're having a picnic next week. All this stuff is going to be amazing. This is not going to happen. But this is a story, okay? So potluck, right? All these utensils, but we didn't have enough utensils. So somebody was using the applesauce container. Uh, they were putting a utensil in there. And they were also putting it in the cottage cheese. They were kind of sharing it back and forth, right? That's pretty gross. So at first, no one could really tell, right? It's just like... It just sort of got in there, but it was sort of hidden, and it wasn't really... And eventually, as the line went through, as more and more people were sharing this utensil, doing both applesauce and cottage cheese, man, it looked nasty. I mean, it was disgusting. And I'm thinking, you know, isn't that... Of course, a, a, sermon came, a sermon illustration came to me, right? Because I'm a pastor. Isn't that just like sin, right? A little bit of this... Oh, it's not, at first, it's not a big deal. But eventually, what happens? It contaminates the entire thing. And if we don't shape up, if we don't live the life that God's calling us to live, little by little, our utensils will not be able to be used for the Lord. Okay, it's 2 Timothy 2.21 If you keep yourself pure, listen to this, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean. And you will be ready for the master to use for every good work. I love this quote from Brennan Manning. It says The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips and walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. That hurts. Lord, help us. Lord, help us to live a life above reproach. Matthew 7, 3, 4. This is my last scripture, and we're going to come to a close here. Why worry about the speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Now, I believe wholeheartedly in the church. I believe that the church can be the most powerful force for good in the world. I believe that the love of Jesus compels us. But if we accept the unacceptable, then we will not reach our potential as a church. If we refuse to accept the unacceptable, and we allow the change to start with us by leading the people that we love, The world will be turned upside down for God. But it's time, for us to stand up and say, we will not accept the unacceptable. We will not accept it. We will live holy lives. We will be above reproach. We will be a force for good in the world that will overwhelm the enemy's work. There are weeds everywhere. Let's spot them. Let's identify them. And let's, again, let God deal with them. Those things are not going to affect us. We're going to be above those things. We're going to live not below our potential, but we're going to live to our potential in Christ by taking the word of God and living it out every day boldly, like the New Testament church did, like we've been talking about for the last several months. And we'll see God move when we do that. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the fact that you were perfect. We sang about it earlier today perfect in all of your ways. Lord, we will never be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to blow it. But God, I pray as we get into this fall season that you would help us to begin to look at our own lives first of all and not judge our brother, but look at our own eyes first. Look at our own eye and say, "Let, let me remove that speck from my eye, that log from my eye whatever it is, and that we would wake up to the enemy's schemes around us, that we would begin to speak up about things in our families or things that people that we know are serving the Lord, but yet they're doing things that aren't healthy and acceptable in your eyes, God. I pray that as a church, it would help us to grow stronger to know that we're setting a higher bar. We're not just going to live below our potential, God, we're going to live at our potential because you're going to help us get there, Lord. None of us are here to try to race to be a more moral person than someone else or holier than thou. Yeah, we're so past that. All we want to do is we want to live our lives to the best of our ability. With your help and strength, you're going to help us get there. So we thank you for that, Lord, today. Keep your heads bowed for a moment, friends, if you could. I just want to ask you a question. If you're here today, you say... Uh, I'd like to say, say yes to Jesus today. I want to give you an opportunity. With no one looking around, maybe you'd say, I want to follow Jesus. I realize that I need God's forgiveness. I need Jesus to, to come into my life and be the leader of my life. I'm tired of doing it my own way. I want to turn my life over to God today and give it to Him. Is that you? Would you just lift your hand so I can say a quick prayer? Anyone here today? I want to give my life to Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm ready to give my life to God. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to follow Jesus today. I want to step across the line. Thank you. Jesus, I pray for these that have lifted their hands today. Lord, I ask that you would do in them a work that, Lord, we can't do. Lord, I pray as they confess you as Lord, as they confess their sins to you, you'd wash them as white as snow. God, you purify their hearts and make them righteous, Lord, because you are righteous. And only you can do that, God. Not our own works, God. Not our own strength. But, Lord, your power in us is what makes us whole. And I pray as they begin to follow you and walk with you, that you would meet them where they are. And they would grow in you. And they'd be involved in, in, in a church like this or a community group maybe that would help them to grow. Lord, be with them today. Thank you for these that have lifted their hands. Maybe you're here today, friends. Keep your head bowed for just a second. Maybe you say, I need to make a recommitment today. I need to wake up. I need to repent. I need to shape up. There's some things in my life that have not been right. And I'm I'm, I'm going to admit it today. I need to get right with the Lord. With no one looking around today, I just want to ask you, is that you? I need to get right with God today. I realize I've made some mistakes. I've, I just need to confess those things to the Lord today. That's That's a bold statement. Is there anyone here that would say that today? I just need to get right with God today. Would you pray for me? Yeah, thank you. Anybody else? Yeah, yeah, thank you. I need to get right with God. Thank you. Put, you can put your hands down. Lord, I pray for those that have lifted their hands today. God, just an honest statement. I need to get right with you, Lord. I, I, haven't, I haven't been wake- I haven't been awake, Lord. I haven't seen what you're doing, what you're doing, what the enemy's doing in my life. And I pray for in Jesus' name, you'd help these that have lifted their hands to begin to say, God, I want to be serious about this. Following you. I want to put away all those worldly things and trust you that you're going to do the greatest things in my life. And I pray going forward that you would help these that have lifted their hands to walk with you. Maybe you're here today and you say, I'm ready to speak up. I need boldness. I just, I know there's things going on that I haven't said anything about and I need boldness today. Come on, how many that's you? I need boldness today. My hand's up. Lord, help us today to have boldness, Lord, to speak the truth, to not be afraid. If it's our kids, Lord, if it's our our family members, maybe fellow believers that are involved in stuff that is just not good, that we need to speak up about. I pray the pastors and leaders of this place would be willing to be bold and speak up as well when we see things that aren't right, God. Because that's what makes your body strong. That's what makes us strong. Not that we're better than anybody else, Lord, but that we, God, we're just all sinners saved by grace. And we know, Lord, you're leading us to greater things. Thank you for it, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.